Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It is episode 2 of 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm your intrepid host, Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. We talk pens. We talk hockey. And... Just because it's the bye week and the all-star break doesn't mean there isn't plenty to talk about, especially in regards to the Penguins, because there is. You've got Brian Burke speaking in defense of his coach. You've got Ron Hextall. I'm sure he's doing something somewhere. Uh, You've got Mike Sullivan probably sitting around watching reams of film, trying to figure out how the heck to get more production out of his bottom six. You've got Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin working together. I don't know if I can handle this. It's like Hulk Hogan and Macho Man when they came together. Uh, It just makes my brain hurt. Uh, And you've got all the stuff that you have to question as we get ready for the stretch run of the NHL season and the Penguins sit there on that precipice final team in the Eastern Conference standings that would be in the playoffs right now, but trying to extend that that NHL record streak of making the playoffs, what would be a 17th straight time. Uh, we will talk to Jenna Harner of 11 on the Ice, WPXI, in just a few moments. But we start with my friend Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Happy to have him here, Jesse. Thanks for being a part of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Um, this is huge. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you, man. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, anytime, man. It's always good to get to talk hockey with you whenever we can get the time to do it. So I'm happy to happy to be on the show. Absolutely. And I'm sorry we couldn't do it on what for us would be a Wu-Tang Wednesday. There's always a chance. There's always a chance that someone's listening to this on the following Wednesday. And so in Jesse's honor, please 
I don't care if it's, I, I, I don't know. Anything really from the 36 chambers would be solid enough. You can even do liquid swords. We'll, we'll take that. Okay, we'll take yep, that. We'll take and that. It, just listen to it in the background on another device while you also listen to us talk about hockey. And I, I'm, I'm approaching things sort of from this direction with every guest, even though I, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the smartest of the Penguins insiders on uh, to talk about the Penguins specifically. I also think it's valuable for people that, I don't know, I, I don't know how in the world a Penguins fan would just be getting to know you now, Jesse, maybe a younger Penguins fan, but I think it's valuable for them to know what brings us to hockey in the first place. And so for a kid who you, you grew up, spent most of your, your childhood and adolescence in Beaver County, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was it that got you into hockey first? We'll get to the analytics and the video breakdowns and all that in just a minute. But what was it for a young Jesse Marshall that made you say, God, I, I love this, especially during what, like the the X generation years. I mean, you, when you were a kid, this these there were some hard times in the mix. Yeah, I th- that came later. I I was old enough. I'm early '80s birth date, so I'm old enough to remember okay. the, the good stuff too, right? Um, that's probably where it starts. To be frank with you, Chris, you know, my dad. I remember the Cup Finals series were Central Time, right? So Minnesota and mm-hmm. Chicago, both those series were an hour late. Um, when the games were on the road. So I, my mom wasn't making an exception for that as far as like bedtimes were concerned. So I, uh, my dad would write little box scores, you know, for me and like track, you know, who scored and like where things were going. And, um, and then it was, you know, so much is your environment too. My friends that I grew up with in my neighborhood, like hockey, that's what they did. And I think I, you know, kind of just came along with that, but it was always a niche sport. You know, I thought that right. was always cool. Right. Um, it's less cool now when you look at it from a business perspective, like, um, you know, growing up as a kid, like, you know, there was this tight group of people that liked hockey. It wasn't like this widespread, super popular thing, despite how good the penguins were. So, um, I think it was just that I was around, you know, who I knew the people I was hanging out with. Um, I got into playing it that way and, uh, it kind of just spiraled from there. Were you like me? Like I didn't learn to skate until I was 12, almost 13. And I would have to ride a, a pat bus, from North Baldwin all the way down to the Neville Ice Arena on the south side on Saturday mornings to take skating lessons. And I didn't own skates, so I'd have to take the figure, the rental figure skates from the counter, which was like super embarrassing for me. But it, street hockey was the intro to the game when I was a kid. And you'd get your Sherwood, right, with the plastic blade, and you'd bend it, get the banana curve going there. And uh, somebody would shoot a ball over the net. You'd have to run two blocks to go get it. Uh, yeah, the plastic Milik pads. Yeah, uh, on the street surface, you glide across side to side like you were on ice. Uh, yeah, that those are good times, man. That's that's same for me. I started on the street, uh, and then uh, I was just such a terrible skater. Period. It didn't really matter. <laughs> it wouldn't matter when I started. You know, I was having this uh, conversation with Justin uh, uh, Bourne up in Canada. Uh, we were talking about the reasons why we never played hockey professionally, and mine was just I couldn't even. You know, I was just so bad. I was just, there was no saving it. You know, it's like my golf game. You can't save the swing. It's uh, it's that terrible. So do teach or whatever right so that's um i think where my interest in learning about how the game was played developed because if i didn't know where i was supposed to be and what i was supposed to be doing i was lost cause I was hopeless. You know, like i had to study harder uh to make up for the lack of uh physical athletic attributes that i had going on do you ever find yourself wondering though like what if i had been put on the ice and skates from like the age of two like they do up in canada like i see for example um Jared Kiso from Letterkenny and Shorzy. Like I watch him skate as the Shorzy character in Letterkenny doing all the crazy backwards crossovers. And then I'll get out there during a public skate at Ice Castle with my kid. 
and my kids making fun of me because I'm this close to falling down half the time. Um, and I wonder, man, if only I would have been thrown on the ice when I was like two, maybe I would have been okay. Uh, I'd have been better, but I don't, <laughs> yeah. I'd be here. Put it this way, Chris, I'd be playing in B as opposed to D on my beer league nights. That's pretty much, okay. I think it's about the difference that you get out of maybe, it. It's negligible at best. We'll put what, it that way. What more do you want? Maybe you get an that's it, eight dude. or nine o'clock. To be ice. a ringer. That's all. That's all we right. could ever hope for. Right. To get, to get an eight or nine o'clock ice time instead of a midnight or 1 a.m. Yeah. ice time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So you do an amazing job digging inside numbers. You always have when it comes to the game of hockey, the advanced analytics and metrics that get used. Um, and so for Penguin fans that are looking at the way this team has played up to the bye week and the all-star break, who are looking at it saying, man, what gives me hope that this team can be more than another round one and done early exit to the playoffs, even if they do get goaltending, right? Which they haven't the last couple of years in the first round of the playoffs. Tell me what numbers should give us hope. They're a top 10 team. This Penguin squad is uh, among uh, NHL clubs with regards to their ability to create quality scoring chances. And like for those people that might be listening to this and don't know a lot about analytics, you see the word expected goals thrown around Mm -hmm. all the time. That's all it is. It's a measure of quality scoring chances. It's looking at the areas of the ice that you're getting shots. What are the kind of shots? Are they, are they one timers? Are they breakaways? Uh, Not every shot is created equal. So we're assigning value to this, uh, these shots based on history, based on all the things that have happened uh, in the league leading up to today and what those historic scoring rates have looked like. The Penguins are pretty good at that. They're, they're at, frankly, they're among some of the best teams uh, in the league. I mean, they're, they're in the mix. You know, here are their, their peers, frankly, are, are Calgary, Toronto, and Tampa. And I think we'd all both agree those are really good offensive Good company. Yeah, yeah, good company to be in. Now, the flip side of this coin is less – uh attractive in that they're no longer they're not a top 10 team with regards to their ability to prevent uh quality on the other side and that's what really knocks them down uh out of that elite company of teams that can control shot quality i think they're 14th overall but they're sixth if you just look at them offensively right so they got to tighten it up defense that's really where where they're hurting their goaltending we'll get into that i'm sure um, their their defensive play, all that has been pretty far below the line, and it it kind of cancels out how good they are offensively speaking. So that being said, you, you talk about the goaltending, and the way I see them play, and tell me if the numbers back this up, the way I see them play in front of Tristan Jari is a night and day difference to the way they play in front of Casey DeSmith. We'll remove Dustin Tokarski's limited amount of time between the pipes from this equation. Um, so that tells me that if they – continue to play in front of Jari the way they have and perhaps improve in the expected goals against department while continuing to produce expected goals for at the rate they have to this point. You mentioned the the company they're in, top 10 in the league. That tells me that you've got a team, much like last year, that should be able to push through one round of the playoffs. We know last year was more about injury to Casey DeSmith and Louis Domingue and Spicy Pork and Broccoli and all that, and then Sidney Crosby and Jacob Truba. You can put it on a number of different factors that don't necessarily get folded into the numbers. But that tells me that they could be able to get beyond the first round if they're not pigeonholed into one of these wild card spots where they're going to have to play a juggernaut Bruins team or a very, very good Hurricanes team. 
Yeah, and, and how good is the team they're playing, Chris, and how in terms of their ability to roll lines? I think that's really what you get into. Is you look at Carolina, that's a four line hockey team, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That coaching staff will deploy lines one through four, uh, however, in a confident manner, any way they need to situationally. Their Penguins are not even close to there right now. That's that's, I and mean, I'm sure we're we'll getting into the bottom six, but um, that's the concern. You know, I there is a dichotomy. You mentioned this dichotomy between the goaltenders. I have to address this for a minute because you're right. There is a dichotomy between the way the Penguins play in front of Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. Casey DeSmith's play is still below the line, right? Like we yeah. we could create an expectation for that. It's still it's still not where it needs to be. Jari's on the other hand has been way above the line for the most part of this season. Um, and if he can stay healthy, you know, I, I think this is a team in past years, and it may be true again this year that could potentially win with just slightly above average goaltending. It doesn't even have to, you know, if they could just get some normalcy at the position, right? A touch of normalcy at the position could be all they need. Um, That top six, we know it's legitimately good, right? Mm -hmm. We know it's good. And if it gets hot, who knows what could happen. But uh, if they struggle in any way, shape or form, Chris, the the ask on the bottom six at that point becomes so large. I I, I can't see them doing anything but crumbling in the face of it. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So I want to ask you about the bottom six and what changes between now and mid-April to make it more relevant. But before that... Look, this is an intangible question, and you are a master of, well, tangibles, right? Like numbers, video, uh, which we'll get to in a second. The the video breakdowns you do for The Athletic uh, are masterful. But the, the intangible question here is why? Why do they play more buttoned-up, playoff-style Mike Sullivan hockey in front of the goaltender they don't need to necessarily play it in front of and more fire wagon uh wildcat all over the place hockey i mean that sharks game was just mind-numbing i was in the stands for it i couldn't believe how how evgeny malkin was consistently handing the puck to san jose more than his teammates why do they do that in front of the goaltender who needs the more stingy play in front of i would argue they don't okay um they're they're losing more with the other goaltender um when you're losing what happens you know you you add a fourth forward and via activating your d you press, you pinch, you become vulnerable defensively. Um, all of that is score effects, we call it, Chris, right? Like when you're trailing, the statistics in the game start to look different. It almost looks like you took a, take a 3 nothing game, for example, right? In a 3 nothing game, it might, if you just isolate on the results, it might look like the losing team is just caving the other one in, right? right. When in reality, was the other one's protecting their lead, right? And I think that the data here is skewed by the fact that Casey DeSmith um, has been kind of bad, I think at times. Um, I know that you know recently, and especially in the last couple of weeks, I don't, I don't know that I blame him as much because you know things have kind of deteriorated a little bit more defensively in general. 
but that's just, to me, that's the story here, right? Um, the Penguins are chasing, they're pressing, they're trying to catch up, and that makes the data look kind of ugly uh, as a result. So I don't think that they're discernibly doing anything different other than reacting to the environment. Okay, so that being said, what do you see in the video that you've broken down that tells you, okay, this team can get something more out of the bottom six as it currently exists. And if you see that, what gives you hope for it? And I I guess the counterpoint would be, and the counterpoint to a double-barreled question would be, what tells you they have to make a move before March 3rd for that bottom six? So the problem here, right, is that you, I think you have to make a series of moves, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's the troublesome part is you can't solve this problem uh, in one fell swoop. Um, but I, I'll start with a guy like a Teddy Borger, right? Um, generally, throughout the course of his career in Pittsburgh, has been offensively deficient. You know, that's never been why you've relied on Teddy Borger. But now that defensive magic, gone. You know, this is a player who for several years was in the 99th or 100th percentile in defensive metrics of the National Hockey League. Make that 60 now, which mm. means almost half the league is putting out better defensive numbers or equal numbers to what Teddy Bluger is giving you. And the fact that he's got no even strength goals, you know, hey, that's that's concerning, right? So yeah. you got to make consider maybe you make a move there. Jeff Carter, what do you do about Jeff Carter? I don't know honestly, Chris, that there's any solution to that problem, right? Brock McGinn, same thing. Like, are, are you going to move Brock McGinn and Teddy Bluger together? Like, are you, are you making two separate moves now? Like, I, I just think, you know, we can look at some of these players, you know, um, and, and take a look at what kind of value they're giving the Penguins, right? And all these names I'm bringing up, like, Carter, negative contract value for the Penguins. Kapanen, negative contract value for the Penguins. McGinn, negative contract value for the Penguins. All to almost the exact same tune. So, you know, you asked me what needs to happen, Chris. I wish you could fix, you could overhaul the whole thing. Right. (laughs) Who's safe at this point down there? You know, I don't know. And in the economic condition that we're in, the way that the cap situation is across this league, it moves in general are going to be difficult to come by, let alone trying to pull off two or three of them in, in one off season. And I'll add this not to be Debbie Downer here, but you don't have the prospect capital, right? You talk about like, look at what Bo Horvat just fetched, right? The penguins don't have a ratty in their system prospect wise. They don't even have the prospect chip that would have put them in that conversation. I mean, I guess it could be Owen Pickering, right? But then now you're, you know, now what are we doing? So uh, I, they're, you know, just, they're not in the big conversations, Chris. And I, I, if they're going to be in the little conversations, they have to be in a lot of them if they want to address that problem. So if that's the case, I mean, it, Ron Hextall, I don't think is ever going to do this, but would he be willing to make, I guess what you would consider a trade to sacrifice something in the top six in order to bring something back on the bottom six? That seems counterintuitive to me, not just given the way Hextall works, but then again, you're talking about a Ron Hextall who has followed the organization's directives to be all in on now. Um, is there a way he can be all in on now? It sounds like no. Uh, it would have to, for me, inc- again, be a situation where you're taking multiple competent NHL players, Chris, mm-hmm. lumping them all together to, to net a return. And now you're talking about like, is the sum of what you're bringing in greater than the sum of what you're sending out and yeah, I, probably not. Right. Like if you're looking to make a real blockbuster deal, 
and, and shake things up to that, ex- to that effect. Um, you're talking about having to maybe throw a defenseman into the mix, you're, which could be not a bad thing, right? Like if you're trying to solve your Brian Dumoulin problem and things of that right. nature. But, you know, I, I, you have to, the, the scales there are going to be tough to equal out. And it's, you, you still have the picks, right? Great. That's good. And I don't think they're going to have any qualms about just spending carelessly there because, you know, um, I got I to gotta be frank with you again here, Chris. Like, what, look at, you know, judge them by what they've done. Have they hit any home runs? Um, no. And pick, no. I mean, look at Tristan. Look at Tristan Brouts. Like, that you could argue there, aside from his four goal night last week, um, that's the most notable thing he's done in two years in college, other than transferring. So I think, so, you know, I, you know, there's no sweetener, you know, you have the picks, you don't have the prospect sweeteners. I think it's just, he has put himself to me, Chris, where he really needed to make his impacts was in free agency mm-hmm. and he did. And I think he chose poorly in a lot of areas and addressing those decisions on the fly now in the economic climate, not so easy. So we'll say a little prayer to 87 and hope that he can drag them kicking and screaming with some help from the goaltending and hopefully Gino and Tanger not turning the puck over in bad spots to the second round and then see what happens. Here's the good news. <laughs> I finally give you some because I feel like this is bad. Thank you. Yeah. Um, among <laughs> among forward groups, right, that have played at least filtering out to team significant minutes, right, like looking at like 300, 400 minutes together as a group, Crosby, Gensel, Raquel, um, it hasn't produced the goals yet, Chris. And I know people hate hearing this. Mm-hmm. They don't like when I say this stuff, but they're in the top three in the league in their ability to generate quality shots. And, and on, a, on, a, on a marathon scope of a season, I'll take those odds with them that yeah. they're going to bust out and the goals are going to come. Um, you you build the, that's a, that's a foundation built on rock, right? Like that you can rest your head. Sidney Crosby always says, um, it's so much easier to go through a period where you're not scoring when the chances are there, right? You know that you can eventually convert, but um, that that the strength of that unit, I think when they're together, just can't be understated. They'll go head to head with some of the best groups in the league and control the game uh, at even strength uh, with the best of them. So looking forward, I mean, that's the way it's going to have to be. We're used to it, I think, um, in Pittsburgh, but I think even more so than perhaps usual Uh, the burden on the top six is a little bit greater. Jesse, I won't keep you any longer. Uh, Thanks for giving me just a few minutes talking things from an analytic point of view, a video breakdown point of view, and uh, just in general trying to help me. You were supposed to make me feel better, man. Yeah. Jeez. I know. Oh, well. Um, They they kept the band together. This is what we get when you keep the band together, that the band better play some really good tunes and not, not stumble out there half drunk and I don't know, play all the stuff from the new album. So well, the band, yeah, the band's been pretty good. It's just they're the, the guys they've got as DJs haven't been, uh, haven't been as good. There's too much air horn, Chris. That's what it is. M- you don't ever want to, you know, they're just that air horn blasting all the time. Yeah, yeah, yes. Them, too much. Let them flow a little bit, you know? too, too much air horn. You're right. Jesse, thanks again for the time. Appreciate you being on fifth Avenue face off. And we reserve the right to bother you again, to come on sometime soon. Anytime. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.